Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode here on the 5571 Podcast. My name is Danny, and for those of you that are new here, this is a podcast all about Disneyland Resort news, as well as Walt Disney World and other theme parks. So if that interests you, feel free to stick around and possibly subscribe to the podcast for more brand new episodes coming out every week, usually on Tuesday now. I've decided I think I'm going to switch to Tuesday because I feel like Disney drops so much news that makes me have to re-record segments, which happened this time as well too. So I think moving forward, for those of you that are listening, I really appreciate all my loyal fans that um, keep listening to the episode and giving me great feedback. I think from now on, I'm going to make the podcast come out on Tuesdays. I just feel like it's easier to let the news come out over the weekend. Sometimes stuff drops on Monday, which has been happening a lot lately. So if there's new things, I'm not like a week behind and no longer relevant. So I'm going to go ahead and put it out on Tuesday so I can make adjustments on Monday night should I have to when Disney drops news like they did this week. But I digress. Let's go ahead and head into the first part of our podcast, which is going to be the 5571 news segment. And we're going to start off over at Disneyland Resort. So early this morning on the recording of this uh, re-record here of the podcast, um, Disneyland actually announced that they would be resuming sales of all four types of the Disneyland Magic Key Passes. Now, currently the Inspire Key, which is the most expensive key option at $1,600, was the only key that was available to guests as all three of the other key options had already sold out and stopped or paused sales. Now, Disneyland announced today that leading into the spring and summer busy seasons, uh, they're going to be selling passes once again, and we don't know for how long they're going to continue to be on sale for. So if it's something that you were waiting on or you weren't sure you were going to do, but definitely wanted to do when it came back, I wouldn't hold out too much longer if you financially can do it because I don't know how long Disney's going to sell them for, um, and I don't know when they're going to pause them again. But again, all four keys, the Imagine, the Enchant, the Magic, or, or the Believe, and the Inspire will be for sale starting tomorrow, to, well, I guess today, the day that you're listening to this podcast, um, as early as 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, um, and no earlier. So they always say that, but there's usually some sort of link to the queue that um, leaks somewhere and um, people can get in much earlier. But I don't feel like it's going to be that big of a deal because the passes have been on sale and a lot of people already have their passes. So I feel like um, the hype isn't too crazy with the people that would be like lining up right away at nine o'clock as soon as they go on sale. I'm sure there'll still definitely be a wait to purchase some of those more in-demand passes. But I feel like overall, it's going to be a lot easier um, to get passes than it would say when they finally reopened renewals after we didn't know during that first year. In other Disneyland Resort news, Disney also shared today that the Rogers the Musical, which is going to be over there in the Hyperion Theater at Disney California Adventure Park, would be debuting to the public on June 30th. That's Friday, June 30th. Reservations are wide open and available at the time of the recording of this podcast. So if you want to make sure you get that DCA start to get those first showings of that Rogers the Musical, you can do so um, right now, unless it's already filled up after the episode has uh, posted. So for those that don't know, Rogers the Musical first debuted or came to the public eye um, when the Disney Plus series Hawkeye debuted last November. Um, It is very much a campy and over-the-top making fun of type musical. Um, So go in with the right expectations. This is not like a 
Rogers the musical like Broadway drama or anything like that. It's going to be super um, over the top funny, lots of singing, dancing numbers, just really a good time if you go in it with the right expectations. Um, They also provided a description today of the show and they mentioned that the Avengers would join Rogers on stage and they even hinted at potentially um, the Hulk coming out. We saw the Hulk. I don't know if it's going to be the same Hulk or some other different version of the Hulk like we saw in the musical from the TV show, Um, but they kind of hinted at that. But I also wanted to read to you a description of the show um, that Disney provided to the press. Um, And so I'll read that now so you can kind of see more about what it is. So it says, This production features a talented cast of singers and dancers telling the story of Steve Rogers, Captain America, joined by Peggy Carter, Nick Fury, and select members of the Avengers. The musical will take the audience on a journey from Steve's humble beginnings during World War II to becoming Captain America, leading the Avengers and beyond. It's a classic tale of heroes, time travel, and romance. Oh, and Nick Fury also sings. Rogers, the musical will run approximately 30 minutes from Tuesday through Saturday most weeks. Additional details, including show dates and times, plus news about the merchandise and food and beverage offerings themed to Rogers, the musical, will be shared as opening day gets closer. So that was a fun little thing that we didn't know about. I mean, I assumed they were probably going to have merchandise, right? They did show um, a playbill. Like uh, when they first teased the musical, they showed um, what looked like Peggy Carter walking up to the Hyperion Theater holding a playbill that said Rogers the Musical. So it'd be kind of cool if they sold like a version of the playbill because I know a lot of people collect playbills and that's their big, you know, big thing. So it'd be kind of fun if they sold like a souvenir playbill of the show. A lot of people would buy that would probably sell out immediately. Um, But I'm sure they'll have like t-shirts, hats, and all that other kind of stuff. But I didn't expect for there to be um, beverage and food items. And that'd be really cool if they came to Avengers Campus. But most likely we'll probably see those over at the Hollywood Land, um, the the Hollywood Lounge there in Hollywood Land. So that's probably where we'll end up seeing it, to be honest, because it's just adjacent to the venue, the Hyperion Theater. Um, so it'd be a good spot for them to have that. And it's a place for people to kind of hang out. And of course, it's a bar, so they'll have cocktails and hopefully themed cocktails to the musical itself. In construction updates and news over at Disneyland Park, more of the scaffolding has come down around the Adventureland Treehouse, giving us a very detailed look at what has and hasn't been done. Most of the center structure of the tree itself looks like it got a redo. Um, Not sure if that was necessary due to safety things or whatnot, but there was a big redo with that center structure of the entire tree, which makes sense as to why this took so long. Um, They also had to redo kind of the way you get up into the tree too. We don't even know kind of how that's going to be. They could have reverted back to the way it used to be when it was the Swiss Family Robinson treehouse, how you went up and then down. Um, Because as we know, during Tarzan's treehouse run, um, you would enter the treehouse from the middle of the pathway in Adventureland on a new tree over a drawstring bridge that was added specifically for Tarzan's treehouse. Now, all that was taken away, and mind you, when you see it in person now, it does really give you that grand look of the treehouse as you're walking from New Orleans Square or Frontierland, let's say, into Adventureland, um, that you kind of 
missed or didn't remember from, you know, when you might have been seeing the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. Um, I was so young when that was here. I don't even remember it. So it was really cool to see that perspective of the tree. But most of the walls are down. But with the amount of work still left to be done on the tree, you know, a lot of people were assuming that the scaffolding coming down meant the tree was going to open soon. I still feel like there's a lot of work to do. And I still feel like that this was heavily impacted by weather delays. A lot of the things that were delaying Mickey's Toontown when it was being constructed. So um, I feel like there's still a lot left to be done. Um, Could this be still a this year project? I would assume so. I was thinking they might have it done before summer, but I don't know. It just, unless there's more, less, there's less to be done than what I think. Um, just from what we've seen so far, it looked pretty extensive. I could be wrong on that, but first guess would be more of like a fall winter opening. If I was to guess, uh, I would imagine they would need to work through the summer on most of this, especially since the summer will provide them with the weather that they need to make sure that this gets completed, um, on the timelines that they're setting, but everything could be completely different and um, they could open it before summer. So we'll have to keep our eye on this one as more of the scaffolding comes down. But for now, the walls around the bottom still remain. And of course, that's gonna be where the new entrance to the attraction is. Of course, when Adventureland Treehouse does open. Now, it is featuring the Swiss Family Robinson itself, um, but we're gonna go into that a little bit later for more of our small little Main Street topic like we were talking about last time but I wanted to focus on that later on so we can kind of go into the history of the Adventureland Treehouse and the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse talk about what it could be and why maybe it's just featuring. Over on the east coast at Walt Disney World Resort they also just announced like Disneyland that they would also be resuming the past sales of their annual passes in their case it's still called annual passes over at Walt Disney World Resort. They have four different types of annual passes and all three will be resuming sales on April 20th. Now this is a pretty big deal and it's definitely gonna be a lot harder to get in and buy these passes than it will be for Disneyland's because we've had our passes on sale off and on at different times and it's been a little bit different, but largely for the most part, Walt Disney World hasn't had its passes available to purchase since the parks reopened after the pandemic. So this is a pretty big deal more exclusively for DVC members because they've been the most vocal about this inability to get an annual pass since a lot of them vacation to Walt Disney World, maybe let their passes expire during the pandemic when they weren't vacationing and haven't since been able to buy another annual pass, which makes exp- uh, makes it a lot more expensive to vacation at Walt Disney World having to buy tickets every single time, especially if they were coming pretty regularly. But for Walt Disney World Resort, Again, they have four annual passes and three of the four are exclusive only to Walt or Florida residents um, by themselves. So, um, and there's an exception to one of those we'll talk about in a second. So only one of the passes is available to all guests out of state or not. Uh, and that's going to be the most expensive pass, which is the Increda pass. That one is $1,400. It has no blackout dates. It's still based on reservations. It does include parking. Um, it includes all four um, theme parks. I'm not sure if it includes water parks. Someone might have to share that with me. I don't even know. I have this pass too, and I don't, I've never checked into that, I guess you could say. I've been to the water parks, but each time I went, I paid my own admission to go there. So Um, But it does include standard theme park parking. It's $1,400. This one's available to every guest, no matter where you live. Now, the other three passes are available only to Florida residents exclusively. 
But the next pass below is called the Disney Sorcerer Pass. This one's $969. This one is also exclusive to Florida residents, but the exception here is, is if you're a DVC member, you can purchase this pass. And this is nice because it's significantly cheaper than the other pass, but still allows you to vacation flexibly um, with a pass that would work well for you and not be as expensive as paying $1,400. Uh, so this is an option. It does have blackout dates. Um, it does include parking too, which is nice. Um, and it does have discounts and all that kind of stuff, just like the other one would. Then the bottom two passes being Disney Pirate Pass for $749 and the Disney Pixie Dust Pass for $400. And both of these are Florida resident only with no exceptions um, for any other guests at all. Um, and there are blackout dates. Um, it does include standard theme park parking on all passes. So there isn't a pass, even the cheapest pass that doesn't offer parking. So that's a huge steal. And all four parks, that's two more parks in Disneyland. So our passes are much more expensive. You might argue and say that Disneyland Resort has more attractions and it's smaller space, but I still think um, in comparison, it seems like an unfair trade um, because it feels like you're getting so much more with all four of the parks that they offer at Walt Disney World. But if you're excited or you vacation there regularly, keep in mind, mark your calendars. April 20th is going to be when you purchase these annual passes um, and it's all going to be done through the website. So you're going to be able to do that. And you can also, I believe, call in um, to Vacation Club Services if you're a DVC member to buy the pass that way if you're wanting to buy the one that was exclusive to that DVC tier if you're not a Florida resident. Additional Disney Parks news that we also got this week was because of Star Wars Celebration, which is taking place or took place over the weekend in London uh, for this particular year. And they did have a Disney Parks panel where they covered some Star Wars news for Disney Parks. And one of that being um, the DJ Rex playlist. Now, if you didn't know, DJ Rex is the DJ, the resident DJ over at Oga's Cantina. He also used to be the pilot of the Star Speeder 2000 ship uh, Star Tours, as you might remember, before they changed it over um, to the new version, which I think first debuted in Disneyland in 2011. So um, he is, has since retired from piloting uh, tours through Star Tours and has now, of course, become a DJ over at Ogus Cantina. Now, his first playlist is available on all streaming platforms, um, DJ Rex Playlist 1, and it has a lot of the music you might remember from your vacation or your visit to Ogus Cantina playing in the background. Uh, lots of fun music there. And they announced a second playlist being released, um, as well as maybe some of that music changing and being, you know, what you can hear now in Ogus Cantina. I think this is cool. It really brings some life to um, you know, the land changing things up again. He's a DJ, right? He's mixing new songs. So it's nice to see them kind of change that and evolve that over time. But in addition to new music, they also announced another playlist coming out for Gaia and um, her album coming to streaming services or her playlist rather and other um, Galactic Star Cruiser. Um, so I totally blew went into that without explaining who Gaia is, but Gaia is one of the performers on the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, which is the Star Wars Hotel, as some people call it, over at Walt Disney World, the, ho the hotel experience there. But Gaia is one of the performers that performs to you during your dinner shows. And uh, a lot of people were really big fans of her music. I know Kitra uh, and Peter loved the performances of Gaia, especially Kitra. She's a huge Gaia fan. Uh, I'm sure she is most excited about the announcement of this album or playlist coming out. 
Um, they, they did mention during last celebration that we would be getting this music eventually. So we were excited to hear that. I, from what I've heard from the videos I've seen, mostly Ordinary Adventures videos, um, I was very excited to hear that the playlist would be coming out because I liked the music they were sharing. So, um, you know, it's nice that we finally now, during the next Star Wars celebration, got a date for that. So Gaia's playlist or album is also coming to streaming services on May the 4th, which as we know, May, the entire month of May is Star Wars month. So this will be one of the many surprises we're getting um, during Star Wars month for the Disney parks or specifically for Disneyland if you're a big fan of that. And um, I don't know if a lot of people from Disneyland know who Gaia is, but you should definitely listen anyway because her music is awesome. In addition to that, we also had an announcement for more new characters coming to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at both coasts. Now, we've seen characters like Fennec Shan, Boba Fett from Book of Boba Fett. We also have Mando and Grogu himself from Mandalorian. Um, but um, we have other new characters coming, but they didn't say specifically who. Now, if I was to guess, we probably will definitely be seeing Bo-Katan, which is from Mandalorian, the current season that's out right now. That um, totally makes sense to have her as a character here. In fact, they even had her actress um, posing recently in Disneyland, which kind of gives me um, a hint that they probably also filmed content with her and her character potentially for some promo. So it makes sense that she'd be coming too. She has a big part in this current season. So I think it'd be awesome to see her walking around, um, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. But in addition to that, we also potentially, I feel, might have Ahsoka and some of the characters from that movie too. Maybe even Thrawn potentially. Um, who knows? Um, but I hope they bring some villains, right? That'd be cool. Um, but Ahsoka's storyline and her show are a big deal. That's coming out this year, later in the year. And I feel like, uh, those characters would be perfect to come into Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Ahsoka's extremely popular with amongst, you know, all sorts of fans, whether they're diehard Star Wars fans or, you know, casual fans who maybe grew up younger watching the Rebel show. They really are a big fan of uh, Ahsoka, and so I feel like her in general is just going to be a cool character to see. Um, she was a big hit during Star Wars night on the nights that she was there. So um, definitely I could see her being a potential character. But in addition to even that, they gave us more news saying that we would be having new unseen destinations coming to star tours in 2024 disney's hinted at changing and adding some new destinations to star tours but we hadn't got any since the last jedi we didn't even get any for rise of skywalker so i think the last new one they had was the crate moon when like we went with a you know the red salt from the crate planet they had that whole setup for uh, the last jedi as one of the destinations that you could do um, but we hadn't had anything since then. And they had teased that we would have newer unseen destinations, but they never did come. Now we have a date. They're going to be coming out in 2024. No details were shared yet. Of course, at that time, we have just gone through um, Ahsoka because her series is going to start towards the end of the year, probably going through the end of the year. So still having a lot of popularity at that time. It makes sense that maybe we have some destinations from whatever we see in Ahsoka and how it all brings everything together that we're seeing also in The Mandalorian. Book of Boba Fett tied in with that. So it's a lot that's going on that we could potentially be getting um, new destinations. And I'm excited for this. Um, I do get motion sickness watching and doing Star Tours, but I'm still going to do it anyway because it'll be fun to <laughs> see 
what it is um, that the new destinations are. So I'll muscle through it. Um, but it's definitely worth, so keep an eye out on that. But that's a lot of Star Wars news that we got um, coming to Disney Parks during the Disney Parks panel of Star Wars Celebration. So uh, I'm looking forward to all that and looking forward to what other secrets and surprises they share in regards to Star Wars as we get closer to Star Wars Month, since this is the first time we're doing a full Star Wars Month, in addition to hopefully finding out some more details about Star Wars Night, even though I'm not going. But still cool to see if there's any surprises that we didn't have last year, because so far on paper there isn't, but it is during Star Wars Month. Maybe we were going to get something that we weren't expecting. And lastly, for our 5571 news segment, the beginning of April marked the end of a celebration over at Walt Disney World. The 50th anniversary most magical celebration on Earth um, came to an end. This 18-month or so long celebration, which unfortunately had to start right after the parks reopened at Walt Disney World from the pandemic closure. It really meant that the 50th anniversary wasn't truly the celebration they wanted it to be, right? We were supposed to have the opening of Tron Light Cycle Power Run, um, for the 50th anniversary of the Magic Kingdom, plus all the things that were to come to Epcot, some of which got cut, and some of which haven't even opened yet or been finished. Uh, it really just put a damper on a lot of things because of the closure and a lot of the delays that happened due to the pandemic and just economic reasons that Disney had to shift um, when the park shut down and all revenue from that area was cut off. So um, all in all though, I really enjoyed the celebration. Um, I felt the decor was awesome. The merchandise was a huge hit with guests. Um, some of the shows weren't the best, although I loved Harmonious. Um, a lot of guests really didn't like Enchantment, which is why it went away. And now we're getting back the all too favorite and well-loved Happily Ever After. Um, but the 50th anniversary has come to an end, and with it, all of the decor is slowly being removed. If you want to follow the process of any of this, and if you're planning on going to Walt Disney World soon and kind of want to get a status on what the park looks like as they begin to remove all the decor from everything, make sure to follow all that progress over on Blog Mickey. They have the latest updates on everything in regards to the removal of the 50th anniversary stuff, and there's a lot of major work done to be removing this, including the castle, which as we know for the 50th anniversary, got a whole new color scheme. The castle used to be gray and blue, and now it's pink and blue, um, much like our castle over at Disneyland Resort, Sleeping Beauty Castle. So um, the color itself, the color scheme will remain, um, but a lot of the, the flair and the, the embellishments that were added during the 50th are having to come down. And that could mean that some items of uh, like cranes and whatnot might be in your photos of the castle in the near future. So like I mentioned, follow Blog Mickey if you want to see the latest on what it's looking like during your vacation because they're going to have up-to-date weekly information. So definitely check that out if you've been planning or have one coming up soon. And lastly, onto our main street topic for the episode, we're going to be talking about the Adventureland Treehouse or more specifically known as what was released by Disney Parks Blog, the Adventureland Treehouse inspired by Walt Disney's Swiss Family Robinson, um, which is going to be returning to the park this year in 2023. Um, that was their original announcement back in November of 2022. Now we know Mickey's Toontown was delayed 
um, about a week and a half or two because of all the crazy winter weather we've been having over here in Southern California. And this tree's been closed for quite a while with a lot of construction potentially affected by some of that wet weather um, because maybe conditions aren't as safe up in the tree as far as slipperiness and safety of the worker. So not sure if we're still on that 2023 timeline yet, like we mentioned a little bit earlier, but they haven't shared anything otherwise just yet. We got an update from Disney Parks blog or I think through um, affiliated media that they were having that delay in Mickey's Toontown. Um, but nothing yet for Adventureland Treehouse. But specifically, I wanted to talk about um, how this particular treehouse isn't being brought back to the Smith Family Robinson, but more specifically, just the Adventureland Treehouse, but then inspired by Walt Disney's Swiss Family Robinson um, this year in 2023. So, this, to me, is um, kind of the best of both worlds for them, I think. It allows Disney to pay homage to an original opening day, or not opening day, but sort of um, beginnings era of Walt, of Disneyland um, attraction that still to this day actually exists in its original version at Walt Disney World. You can actually go to the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse in their Magic Kingdom and Adventureland. Um, but ours, of course, was replaced um, by Tarzan's Treehouse, which then shut down um, during the Disneyland shutdown when the parks reopened, was just under refurbishment. And then lo and behold, the Tarzan's Treehouse returning signs on the outside of the fence were pulled down. And it was later then announced that Disneyland was going to be retheming, or rumors were swirling about a retheme coming to the Treehouse. A lot of people were speculating and Kanto would come to the Treehouse, but Disney then finally shared in November of 2022 that the Adventureland Treehouse would be the new name with a general Adventureland theme and uh, an inspiration of the original attraction, the Sicily Robinson um, Treehouse as well. Now, there's going to be um, some of the rooms you may remember um, from the original version of the attraction, including the Teenage Daughters Astronomer Loft, um, the music room, lots of just things that pay homage to the original movie and the original attraction. Now, um, this original attraction at Disneyland wasn't there for opening day, um, but was an attraction that opened in November of 1962. Uh, so just, you know, about few years after Disneyland actually opened and it came about two years after the movie released the Swiss Family Robinson movie uh, that was made by Walt Disney Studios um, after that movie released they opened this attraction in Adventureland in 1962 and it was a walkthrough attraction just like Tarzan's Treehouse but featured things um, and scenes from the movie uh, Swiss Family Robinson but as time progressed and more and more generations, you know, came afterward. A lot of people didn't know what Swiss Family Robinson is. And actually a lot of guests who go to Walt Disney World don't know what Swiss Family Robinson is. So um, even though that attraction still exists to this day, it's still a fun treehouse to go up in. I think that's always been the appeal. Um, but in the 90s, um, when they redid it to the Tarzan's Treehouse, it was an effort to bring new audiences and new generations to love the treehouse for its new stories that all centered around Tarzan, um, the movie that they had um, in early 1999 when when um, it 
closed to make room for Tarzan's treehouse. So um, it largely looked pretty similar to the treehouse that they already had, but there were some embellishments added for um, Tarzan's in addition, including how you got up into the tree itself, uh, which was a totally different way from how you did when it was the Swiss Family Robinson treehouse. But I think the most important thing to focus on here is that it's not exactly going back to this Swiss Family Robinson treehouse, but it's just being inspired by. So in general, it's still a generalized Adventureland tree, um, not specifically a Swiss Family Robinson attraction, but more specifically just inspired by it. Um, and I think why this is important is there's a few things, right? coming down the pike that potentially could be something that they could use this space for. Now there is a Swiss Family Robinson original Disney Plus series coming to Disney Plus. Um, and a lot of this stuff could feature um, some set pieces, maybe some um, props or things from the movies up in this treehouse that maybe wouldn't make sense, obviously, to the 1960 film but would make more sense to people watching the current movie or series on Disney+. And if they had just made it back to the original Swiss Family Robinson treehouse that was from the 60s, it wouldn't probably fully make sense to integrate some of that stuff um, from the new series into this attraction. And um, it's not necessarily saying that this attraction is being redone specifically to align with the new Disney Plus series, but it does give them the option, depending on how well I would say that movie does, or just in general to promote it, to use this space, since it is a generalized Adventureland treehouse, to be more of a flexible space for them to use for different marketing um, or, you know, feature moments um, in this particular um, treehouse attraction. So not only that, um, you know, this space could have been used to promote or um, talk about the movie Jungle Cruise. It really translated well in that sense. We potentially might be having a Jungle Cruise 2 movie. Um, so that could also be a thing. But there's also some ties, according to um, the Disney Parks blog announcement and the subsequent artwork that they showed us uh, from that announcement. There is an SEA flag, a Society of Adventurers, or Explorers and Adventurers flag, um, hanging from one of the rooms in the new Adventureland treehouse. You can see it on the concept art, hanging from the Daughter's Astronomer Room. Um, now, this is important because the Society of Explorers and Adventurers ties in all Disney parks, um, and it's potentially been rumored that a series or series of movies and series coming to Disney Plus would be its own sort of universe tying together the different adventurous attractions across Disney parks um, and some of the characters or people who are members of this secret society um, do have different pieces all throughout the Disney parks all over the world. And you can actually see the members. Um, you can see nods to this in tons of attractions. There's nods to it. Um, in the Tiki Room, there's nods to it in the Tropical Hideaway. More specifically, the members all have, um, you know, some artwork and stuff along the walls of the Tropical Hideaway, just as you're purchasing your food on the left-hand side there where you kind of pick up your utensils and stuff. So keep an eye out for that. You can see all the different members of the SEA. So there's room for this space to be used for a lot of other things. And I think the idea of bringing it back to just an Adventureland treehouse, 
grants them the flexibility to use this space to have maybe temporary takeovers, like I mentioned, to focus on this new Swiss Family Robinson uh, show coming to Disney+, Plus, potentially Jungle Cruise, potentially SEA, whatever they want to focus on, they could focus on it using this space. Maybe it's a new Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Like, you never know. It could be tons of things they could use this space, but being that it's generalized Adventureland, it would still have appeal for kids and really a timeless um, way to carry this attraction years into the future. It's not tied specifically to any one attraction. It has a little bit of that nostalgia being that it's featuring or inspired by the Swiss Family Robinson. So people who remember Disneyland from its original years might go into the attraction and be like, oh, I remember this. It's just like when I was younger, when I went on the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. A lot of people still say that to this day when they experience Walt Disney World's version of the original attraction. Um, so it would appeal to those people. But being that it's just a general Adventureland, super jungly adventure tree, young kids are still going to love it. Having those views out into Disneyland, um, you know, just the idea of living in this massive treehouse, I think is... Almost any kid's dream, no matter you know who they are. I think every kid's always wanted that fort, that treehouse, that you know thing that they wanted to build, and you know that movies kind of idealized in the past. Um, it's going to be you know appealing to all ages. So I feel like this is the best route they could have gone, and it's even better that they're paying homage to the original attraction in some way, and not just getting rid of it altogether. So they're bringing it back a little bit. And um, I think all in all, it is the right move for this. I don't know that going directly back to Swiss Family Robinson exactly would have been the right move for it. So I feel like this is a good compromise. Now, another thing we don't know about the Adventureland Treehouse that we're going to have to keep an eye out for Disney to share additional details would be about Magic Band Plus interactivity. Now, we were told by Imagineers that Magic Band Plus interactivity would come to Mickey's Toontown, but that it wouldn't be available when Mickey's Toontown first opened because they had already dreamt up and blue-skied the ideas of Mickey's Toontown before they even knew that Magic Bands were coming to Disneyland Resort. So some of that stuff's in the works, and we might be seeing that in the future. Even though they did tell us that, it doesn't mean things aren't subject to change and might not come altogether. But what we don't know is some of the interactive features in the treehouse, a lot of them are physically based, right? It's touching this, grabbing this, um, reading this thing, pulling this lever, shaking this rope, a lot of that kind of stuff for kids to kind of get their hands on with. But what a perfect way for them to implement more Magic Band Plus interactivity. Um, and I'm really excited to see if we see some of that in Adventureland um, at this treehouse attraction. Now, right now, the only place you can really do interactivity on the Magic Band specifically is going to be that Bounty Hunter experience in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And of course, the different kind of surprise moments that happen on different attractions as you're either entering the attraction or exiting the attraction. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they implement this moving forward. Um, into this attraction if they do at all. Um, but I wanted to mention that because a lot of people ask me about that too, and we just don't know yet, but fingers are crossed they do do something like that because I feel like it would help sell the Magic Bands a lot better with more interactive experiences like this um, for guests to use it in. But all in all, the news of the scaffolding being deconstructed around the tree the scrim coming down, more of the tree being revealed. It's definitely a good sign that we're moving in the right direction because it really just felt like for a long time it was sitting there with nothing being done. Um, but they're definitely working on this now. 
and uh, it's full steam ahead at this point. Like I said, it looks like from the outside perspective that there's a lot of work left to be done here, but um, it might be wrapping up sooner than we think. So we'll have to um, keep an eye on this project. I'll continue to monitor this with my Disneyland update videos. I actually just put out a new YouTube video the day before this podcast release. So if you haven't watched that yet, please go do that as well. My YouTube channel just search Just Ask Danny. Um, you can watch my latest video, mostly going over the hotels at the Design Resort because there's a lot of updates coming over there, especially over at Pixar Place Hotel. A lot of people had been asking me to go back over there and showcase that. So I definitely have um, a new video talking about all that as well as some updates in Disneyland showing what I saw for the Adventureland Treehouse, which has already changed so much since I seen it as far as what's been deconstructed scaffolding wise. Um, some other weird updates over at the Grand Californian Hotel and then um, ending the day over at Disneyland Park um, with some other updates there too. But um, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the 5571 podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I hope you enjoyed my banter and my uh, going on and on about different topics. Uh, if you have a topic idea, you want to share feedback, you want to give a comment, please feel free to do so. Um, you can DM me on any of my social media platforms. I'm on Twitter a lot. I'm on Instagram. Sometimes um, you can find me at Just Ask Danny on both of those locations. Uh, you can also send an email if you'd like to as well to podcast at the 5571.com. Again, podcast at the 5571.com. Um, in addition to that, feel free to subscribe to the podcast. New episodes, like I mentioned, probably now moving forward every Tuesday. So I feel like that's going to be better for news moving forward. And if there's stuff going on over the weekend, it gives me the opportunity to flush out some of those details, maybe get out a YouTube video to coincide with the podcast episode. So it makes it a little bit easier for you guys to take in content as their new week starts. But like I mentioned, thank you again for listening. I really do appreciate it. And for all the feedback already shared, and I'll be seeing you or talking to you on the next podcast episode um, next week. So stay tuned.